House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Today uh, we are joined uh, by an author. He's written several books, um, uh, all sorts of variety. It's, uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about that. So uh, thank you for taking the time, Joe uh, Cosentino. Oh, hi. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, Joe, jo, so uh, where did writing start for you? Well, it all started with insomnia, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was, as a little kid, I had terrible insomnia. And the only thing that actually put me to sleep was reading cozy mysteries, believe it or not. There was something about solving the puzzles and the eccentric characters and the cozy, beautiful locations and the humor and the endings where everything was resolved and everything was okay. That just put me to sleep and made me feel better. I guess the murders didn't bother me. The people were getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it didn't keep you up. You know, that's... Uh, no, I don't no, talk murder and put, I go to sleep. Right. It put me to sleep and... Then uh, I majored in theater, and I was an actor, which isn't writing, but it's storytelling. And I really enjoyed being an actor, and I worked with, I did movies, TV theater with people like Nathan Lane and Rosie O'Donnell, Bruce Willis, various people. And then, like a lot of actors, you know, you're working as an actor, and all of a sudden, the acting work kind of dries up, and you have all these creative juices, and and... So I started reading books like crazy, mysteries, of course, because that's what I've always loved. And I just started reading books and reading books. And and one day I thought to myself, there's a kind of book that I really like that I'm not really seeing out there. And I just couldn't find it anywhere. And I read an article by someone, and I don't even remember who it is, who said, if you can't find the book that you want to read, write it. And that stuck in my head. And that's what I did. I, I started writing the kind of books that that I really like to read. And at the same time, I was also getting two master's degrees and becoming a college theater professor. So that was going on, too. And then someone else, I'm sure many people were quoted to say, write what you know about. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I created two mystery series. One are the Jana Lane Mysteries about an actress who solves murder mysteries, and I use my film, TV, and theater experiences for the Jana Lane Mysteries. And there's five of those, and they're published by the Wild Rose Press. And then I have written 11 Nikki and Noah Mysteries. Two are, are coming out later this year, August 1st and September 1st, but nine are out. And that's about two college theater professors who... Because there's nothing more dramatic than the theater department at a college. Right. So I decided <laughs> to, <laughs> to use that as the basis of uh, the Nikki and Noah mysteries. And unlike most mysteries that I've read, uh, they're, first of all, they're LGBT mysteries, um, but they're also very funny and very campy and... Um, they have some serious moments, and I deal with serious social and political issues, but they're very, very funny. And that was what I was missing in 
in the other books I was reading. And um, I mean, I love all kind of mysteries, gay, straight, Gregory Ash is with us, love his mysteries. But Gregory would probably agree, they're probably not, can't be funny. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I was going to say, I've read the, some of the Nikki and Noah, but I haven't read the Jana one. Um, but I would say yours are very funny. And it's, it, I was curious about how you chose that word, campy. Um, do, how do you feel like people have reacted to that? Because I think in the gay mystery genre, that is, I would say it's unique or, or at least very rare. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I haven't really read, I, I've read so many authors, John Michelson, you, you know, many, and I love all of you. I, I love all your work, and yeah. and uh, you thing. put me to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's something to be known for. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a backhanded compliment? Right yeah. the fucking fell asleep. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, I think you. You know, I think you're great. But I agree. I haven't really found kind of wild, funny. Uh, one one reviewer I remember wrote when reviewed my book that this was the that actually cured her husband. He was dying, and this is really a true story. Oh. And she still reviews all my books for a website. And she said that her husband was dying, and she read him one of the Nicky you know, mysteries. He laughed so hard, he got better. Oh, wow. <laughs> I cured somebody. <laughs> that <I> love Go <laughs> ahead. That's got to be the biggest claim. I mean, that's amazing. you got to yes. send that book to Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Well, he would definitely not like my books because might it might help. Uh, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. interesting because when we're talking campy and we're talking about funny and stuff, um, is yeah. the, do you think this is the same reason that uh, even in Hollywood, when they have um, uh, a lot of films out, and you're talking about the Academy Awards, uh, you know, comedies get ignored a lot, even though they're they are still really good work, and there's still a lot of um, good parts to a to a comedy. Is it the same in books? Do you think? Yes, and I'm really glad Gregory asked me to, <laughs> to uh, get upset when people say they're funny. Quite the opposite. I, I think it's it's the best thing to make people laugh. What could be better, particularly nowadays, with what we're going through? What could possibly be better if somebody can... When I write these books, I'm laughing out loud. And if when people are reading them, they're involved in the mystery and the romance and the story, but yet they're laughing out loud every page, what could be a better compliment or a better gift to people? And if people think comedy is lower than drama that's their issue i've never thought that and and i say i'm an actor i'm a college theater professor i've always thought it's a gift to make people laugh and so if that's what people are are saying great the, the more the merrier but there's one thing that is a little odd about the series there's five murders in every book. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that all? <laughs> yeah, is that all? Now, keep in mind that except for a few of them, and a few of them, Nikki and Noah, go away to other places. They go to Alaska in one, to Hawaii in another, to a, a castle in Scotland in another. But the other ones, most of them take place on the campus, and it, it's a beautiful 
uh, Victorian style, Edwardian style campus, and and most of them take place there. And there's they're always doing a show because they're the theater department, so they're doing a show. And there's always a, five murders. Students, faculty, various people around. They do a show in the second book, Drama Muscle, for the bodybuilding department, and and they're they're doing various shows. And so what I tell my students and my faculty colleagues, if anybody ticks me off, I'm killing you in the next book because <laughs> I need to kill five people per book. And so I I do get to. Uh, have a lot of fun. If anybody bothers me, it's a great release to just, you know, kill them in the next book. <laughs> and you mentioned about Trump. Nikki and Noah are staunch Democrats. Oh, good. And, yeah. <laughs> and they started, as is Janet in the January Mysteries, and um, they're also, Nikki and Noah and Jana are liberal Christians. So when oh. Christians come, but when evangelicals come with the anti-gay stuff, they're ready. They know their Bibles and they knock them down and they're ready to, to uh, explain why uh, no Christian or anybody should be anti-gay. And as Democrats, uh, Nikki has a lot of very famous Things. He, he, he likes to use metaphors and analogies in a very funny way. So it would not be unusual for him to say something like, I feel happier today than a Republican legislator doing anti-environmental uh, regulations or you know, <laughs> giving a tax break to the top 1% or, you know, putting in anti-gay regulations or or appointing some anti-gay judges. He says things like that. So Trump would definitely not... <laughs> No. Not like my books. No. You should advertise them on Fox News <laughs> and get them going, you know. Right, uh, exactly. You know, J J.D. Horn was on last week, and he said that he always killed off people he knew in his books, people he didn't like. So you were kind of touching off on that. So do you, do you kind of pull your stories from people that are around you? Mm -hmm. Oh, all the time. And I'll change their names, of course. And actually, I do. I'm not going to tell you which book or which character, but there is a character, uh, and very clearly Donald Trump, in one, <laughs> one of my books, <laughs> one of the Nikki and Noah mysteries. And, but I might change a name, of course, to the names, but I might change a description, or even sometimes the gender or the race. I have multi, every kind of race and, and gender orientation in my books, and and um, gender identity. So I might change that, but it's, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to write about but what you know about? So I write about things that go on in my life and people I've met and, and that I've known. And there's even, I mentioned I worked with some celebrities in the past, so I've used some characters based on them, and I might change the, Speaking of celebrities, by the way, I got off the phone with my 95-year-old mother just before, and she reminded me, Grega, like this, she reminded me that years and years ago, she saw me do a play with Nathan Lane. And she said, you know, he and his husband just put out a children's book. And she said, you should write a children's book. I said, Mom, I wrote 30 books. Uh, can you just give me a little... <laughs> <laughs> but can you give me a little credit for that? She said, <laughs> she said, yeah, 
But I think Nathan Lane's husband probably made more money on that one children's book than you made on your 30. Oh, oh you see what's going to happen in the next book. Someone's, yeah, really. someone's, someone's fallen and they can't get up. <laughs> Ooh. Actually, yeah, Nikki and no, Nikki's parents, Nikki has Italian parents, and they're based on my parents, and they're very funny, and they say a lot of, of really witty things, so they're in my books, too. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh. Now, Nikki and Noah, um, so they're in, you said you're going to, you have 11, 9 are out. How, right. how do you develop these two characters throughout all of these books? Like, um like, where does that come from? This is really fascinating for me because I, I write true crime, so everything I, I'm not creating um, people's lives and, and what they go through. I just, I'm just sort of, it's like reporting on what they've done. Um, so you, you actually create it. Yeah, the, each book is a separate mystery. I, I personally don't like when by the end of a book you're just left to the next book. <laughs> But, yeah. but I, I like to end each one. So each one is a separate mystery. However, it is almost like a soap opera in a way as you go through the 11 books. Nikki and Noah in the first book, Drama Queen, just meet and, and fall for each other. And then the next one, they get engaged. And the next one, they get married. They adopt a, a kid. So through the – they almost lose the son – there's a lot of drama, too, as they go through. There's problems in the relationship or various things going on. But um, as you go through the books, you get their personal story as a continuing story that goes from book to book to book. So if you're going to read the Nikki and Owen Mysteries and the Jan Lane Mysteries, too, same thing with her life. She's married and she's got kids and she has a, a very funny gay agent and she's doing plays and movies and different things and solving these mysteries but her private life she has a health scare at one point and and her private life the five books though each of those five books is a separate mystery you get her private life throughout the five books and the same in the Nikki and Noah mysteries you get their whole lives it's almost makes sense to read them in order because then you'll get their lives in order and and what happens in in their lives and and it's I think even just those stories are good stories. I always liked to watch soap operas as a kid, and I think <laughs> some of that is penetrated into the books as well. So, so every book does it end happy? Yes, every book. Well, the one thing that you can be sure of: Nikki and Noah never cheat. They're mad about each other. They are just madly in love with each other, and they're they're a great team, and they're never gonna. Have their their marriage will never be be in jeopardy, but everything else around them is in jeopardy. But by the end of each book, there's a happy ending and and everything resolved. Like Agatha Christie novels, I don't know if you notice when I've read each one probably about five times. At the end of an Agatha Christie, not only do you find out who did it, you find out secrets about all the other characters, and there's always a love couple. So, in other words, besides Nikki and Noah, there's another couple that germinate and get together by the end of that story, and they always have a happy story. And so I, I try to copy Agatha in that way, that, that there's another couple that get together by the end. So no matter what, we can count on Joe's books 
putting us to sleep, but yet giving us a ha- happy ending. Right. That's my goal, to put America to sleep. America to sleep with a happy ending. There you go. Actually, it isn't only America. Um, I have, for some reason, I have a lot of readers in England and Australia. I think it's they just connect to that a little wild, a little elevated sense of humor for some reason, and, and I have a lot of readers in those two countries. Well, I think it's because, I'll say one thing, because in, in, in Canada, Australia, England, I think the uh, the gay marriage and the gay, um, the whole fight that America is still going through, in those countries it became uh, very... Um, how do you say it? it's it's common it's 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 mixed in like when you're in Canada now it's um, it's just sort of part of the mainstream now so right. I, I think it's not it's not a shock you can go around and, and say oh yes is my husband or is and nobody even blinks mm-hmm. um, right. and and I think the U S is still struggling with that there's still a lot of pushback uh, it's yeah. not it's not common it's not you, if you go to a hotel and it's like yeah me and my husband like to you know they'd be like oh there's always a still a shock you know mm-hmm. so, so if you're not immersed in in gay society mm-hmm. um you might not get yeah. a lot of the humor whereas in those countries maybe it's because it's more more mainstream so they're not surprised by it i think they're also more adept at moving from drama to comedy very quickly which i do in the books i i just think there's something about maybe the shakespeare background or whatever it is that they're they're able to to do that and and accept that but i wanted to mention one thing you had said about the dramatic or the more serious books being taken more seriously than comedic books and i think that's true in terms of awards because my uh, my books get honorable mention rainbow awards but i never win the you never but, win the skittles yeah no, but i did win one award Divine Magazine, which I love, an LGBT magazine and, and website, uh, voted Drama Queen the, the readers. It was a reader's poll. See, it, wa- it wasn't a, a group of elite people who might look down on comedies. The readers of that all were voting and polled, and Drama Queen won the favorite LGBT mystery of that year. So, I oh, wow. that. that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you can you, yeah. you, you get to do a speech and everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but whenever there's a, an elite panel of people making a decision, you can know the you're right. The comedy probably won't win that. <laughs> like yeah. the Lambda Awards, you know, I, I might get honorable mention, but I'm never going to win those. And that's okay. Somebody yeah. else can. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, I, the thing is, I, I'm not writing for awards anyway myself. So right. it's not really anything I, I look to, and I don't expect to win anything. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm pleased that I'm able to write and be published. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's oh, way more than I expected, you know, in my life. So, um, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I wrote, I, I had written plays first, and I wrote a play called An Infatuation, and then I decided to write a book version of it, a, a novel version of it, and I sent it to Dream Spinner Press, and I thought, they'll never and, and when they published it, I nearly fell off the chair. I couldn't <laughs> believe, why would anybody want what I write? <laughs> 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 
No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I have the same, yeah. uh, you know, when I um, was, I still am, I'm, I'm autistic, and, and I had a real struggle coming out later than most people at, at being able to communicate, speak on, get on the radio, and to write. So I never expected anything to be published. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there you go. So it's, 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 it's just all that matters is people enjoy it. And I'm curious, so I just read an article about, um, it's by Charlie Jane Anders about imposter syndrome in writers. And, you know, the claim in the article was that for writer, if, you know, that'll never go away as a writer, you know, this imposter syndrome. So I'm curious to hear from you. I mean, do you both feel that way still? Like, Joe, do you still feel that sense of shock that, yeah? Um, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every month when I get my statements, I get statements from various places because I have my LGBT romance with Dream Spinner Press. Uh, I have um, the Janelaine Mysteries with the Wild Rose Press. I have my Cozy Cove series, which is like a soap opera series, uh, LGBT series with Nine Star Press. And I publish the Nikki and Noah Mysteries myself because they're my babies and I don't want anybody having anything to do with them but me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I get all these at the end of the month, I look at everything, and I always say to my husband, we've been together, I don't know how many, a million years, 42 years. <laughs> oh, I, wow. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, I mean, we didn't get married till it was legal, but we've been together 42 yeah. years. That's amazing. And he's always the first person to read every one of my books. Oh, and wow. Every single one. He reads it first. He tells me what he thinks. We have an argument. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it goes to the editors. <laughs> well, that's true. I understand that, yeah. No, it no. kills me that he's always right. How does he always find the thing that's wrong? He does every time. Like, yeah. It's maybe how just, does he do that? Uh, just being outside looking in, yeah. I guess. You know, yeah. There's, there's something I guess about so. that, you know. Right. It's, it's but true. I fool him. He has never once ever guessed who done it, ever. Oh, wow. That's After a good After all those books, yeah. yeah. He has never once guessed, ever. He doesn't, which is funny because he was an actor and puppeteer and magician, and now he's an audiobook narrator. His name is Fred Wolinsky, and he also uh, is a sign language interpreter. So as a magician, you would think, past magician, you would think he would know about sleight of hand and how you hide clues and you kind of pump up your red herring clues, but you you give all the clues in the beginning who did it, but it's sleight of hand. It's kind of hidden. But I fool him every single time. He has never, ever once guessed who did it. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. But at the end of the month, when I do look at this with him, I just sit there dumbfounded. I mean, I'm not making tons of money. I don't mean to pretend I'm, you know, Stephen King. But I sit there and I go, people are buying my books. I, I just still can't believe it. I, uh, I just, yeah. I'm just still cannot believe that people are actually buying my books. And the other thing that astounds me, to answer your question too, is when Gregory Ash or John Michelson, people I mentioned and various other people, um, contact me or and say to me, I read your book and I like it. I, I just am flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you mean another writer that I like, a writer that I read and I like and I admire, is actually contacting me and saying, I read your book. 
Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, that's to me, that's a high form of, you know, I mean, when we've talked online or when I've talked to other authors, I, I feel that way too, Joe, that there's something about someone who knows it from the inside mm-hmm. recognizing ability or craft or whatever you want to call it. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark McNeese was another one. I mean, there were yeah. many people. I'm just yeah. right, thinking of people who have contacted me and said, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I read your book, and I really liked it, and I just... When it's somebody whose work I've read and I admire, I'm I'm always just flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably the most shocking thing. But it's also the the probably the thing that makes you feel best. Probably is is another yeah. writer um, yeah. saying something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Rather, yeah. And what's so wonderful about the LGBTQ world is at least what I found, there's no jealousy. As a matter of fact, there's support because Mm -hmm. it's a niche market. Mm -hmm. And the other writers, never have I seen anywhere any kind of jealousy. I've only seen how can I help you, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. I agree with that, yeah. I think it's awesome. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I've never thought about that. Um, Well, I guess I haven't really been in, so... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, one, I, I would say, I, I, I agree with you, Joe. I think part of it is that we are this niche community to a certain extent, and we're, um, you know, you don't want to step on toes. But I think there's also maybe, and maybe it's because it's we're, we're a small enough community to see it more easily. But, I mean, the people that, the people that are buying our books, no matter how fast I write, are going to read more books than I can ever write. You know what I mean? And, like, yes. there's no need to be jealous because they, they're going to read my book in six hours, and it's going to take me yes. six months to write the next one. Right, so, and that, I love that about you. I love your Facebook posts when you say, I just discovered this new writer, oh, and you yeah. give a little... Yeah, I always think, are they paying you? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got my check. Or do you have a lot of lovers all over the world, and you're just promoting their book? Yeah, I've got so my fiancé episode coming out pretty soon, so you can. Yeah, you always do that, which is really generous. I try to do it, too, if I yeah, can. You do. And, yeah, yeah it, I just think it's very generous to say, I just found this new author. You should try them. How great is that? And it's all karma. It comes back. I yeah yeah I think so. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Can I mention one other thing about awards, though? Since you brought up awards, <laughs> yeah, I do. You said about awards. You don't write for awards. I don't write for awards either. But I want desperately for because. They're so theatrical, obviously, my novels. I desperately want them to be made into TV series and movies. And I, in each, yes, in each one, I've written a part for myself. (laughs) Yep. In the Nikki and Owen Mysteries, I'm Martin, the department chair. I'm Jana's agent in the Janelaine Mysteries, Simon. So in each one, I write, you know, part myself. And I want to win an Academy Award, and then I want to say, all the political things that I want. <laughs> Just give like a scathing political speech and be the talk of the whole country. How could he have said all those things? That's my goal. I want to be like the Jane Fonda of today. <laughs> yeah. Burning your bra on, on stage. Right, that's right. That's, what I, that's my goal. 
<laughs> well, that, that that's wow. I mean, that's a goal. I like yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's a goal to have. And, yeah, and I have put a lot of posts and, and websites about that that the LGBTQ books should be made, and I haven't only said mine, I've said many other ones, <laughs> should, be, <laughs> should be made into movies and TV shows. I think that Hollywood is missing a, a really good market of stories that, that completely untapped, by the way, that should really be, be made into, into TV and film adaptations. Would you think that's part of a mainstream problem? Like, what I mean is we had Matt Luber on as well, and he was talking that um, there's... He's another person who emailed me and said he likes my book. There you (laughs) go, boy. He's he's a smart fellow, and he he was talking, but he was talking about um, how it's still a a problem or an issue for mainstream um, publishers to take on uh, these types of... of, uh, Gay books, like with gay characters in it and stuff, where it's, you know, uh, you know, focused on the gay community. So he said it's still a big issue for that. Do you, do you believe that too? Is that how you feel? I totally do. I mean, Dreamspinner Press is is the biggest uh, LGBT publisher, but they're still small and they're having problems. I mean, they're, you know, it's a niche market. So the biggest, it's the biggest fish in the little pond. <laughs> you know, it's still not going to be like Harper Collins or any of the big publishers and the reason the big publishers don't want these books is because they think they're only for LGBTQ people but that's not true 80% of my readers are straight women and this is all across the board LGBTQ novels are read primarily by heterosexual women of course gay men read them too but there's absolutely no reason why these books couldn't be taken over by a mainstream publisher. They couldn't make TV and film versions. And I don't mean these little cheap indie films. Nothing wrong with them. But they'll make these as little indie films for niche markets. But I think if they had the courage to put them out there in the malls with the big studios, that if it's a good story, it's a good story. And everybody would like it. It's like with African Americans in the beginning. Oh, they were afraid to to put stories out about them. Well, now white people run to the movie theaters to see a story with African-American leads if it's a good story. It's a good story. It doesn't matter who, who, who or what the characters are as long as they're good stories. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that is interesting about the way, I guess, especially gay, I mean, and I'm thinking of this in terms of your books, Joe, like um, when, when I look at, books by major publishers with gay men as the protagonists, they kind of tend to fall in two categories. And they are very rare. I mean, I agree with that. The first problem is that they're just very rare, um, although we are seeing more of them. But the next issue would be, I think, that um, they're either kind of displaced in some way. So they're either it's either historical fiction or it's fantasy or it's science fiction, right? Like they're occurring in other worlds that aren't our own. Or they are um, just <laughs> exclusively butch, you know. Like there are very right. few. Right. I, like I, can't, I actually can't think of a single mainstream book with a gay man as the lead who is whatever we want to say, campy or femme or just not straight acting. I don't know what the best term is, but you know, that, I see that as kind of a, maybe a, a subversive issue in the publication. 
Yeah, it's yeah. generally about people who haven't come out yet. Right. Or it's a, it could be about uh, people who are um, bisexual or quote-unquote struggling with their homosexuality. Right. Or it's about the first relationship, somebody realizing they're gay and what does it mean and coming to terms with it and having the first relationship. We're so far past that in our books. It's not about right. people being gay. And right. We're just telling great stories where the leads happen to be gay and they happen to have full lives. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's you interesting. Know, yeah, they're already well into their lives and living their lives, and in my case or your case, solving mysteries. Right, <laughs> good yeah. mysteries. Right. Well, and as you talked about with your books, that having families and like and having continuing relationships, right? That they're not. It isn't about experimentation or about one night stands or any of the kind of stereotypes that do circulate. Exactly right. Yeah, that that's exactly right. The, I, I just started, I, I'll give you a little news that nobody knows yet. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the news is that I've started a brand new LGBTQ-themed mystery series. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and um, it, they're being published by Dream Spinner Press, and the first one is coming out in September. Ooh. And I, Yeah, I've written two so far, but the first one is coming out in September. And it's a little different for me because I've never written before anything, and it just made me think of it when you said about alternate worlds. I've never written anything, any supernatural or anything other than my life and, and things that contemporary things. But in this story, they're the player piano mysteries, and the concept is that this young gay male music teacher... Uh, finds in his basement an old player piano, and he plays it, and out comes the ghost of the original owner from the 1920s. Oh, wow. Yeah, this this very dapper, sexy uh, guy. And so the, they solve mysteries. But what's different about it is, is it's a supernatural thing, which I've never written before. Uh -huh. <clears throat> I've also never written historical. Oh, cool. So when so when you knew. when you but when you tackle that are you are you coming from experience? Do you have like a, a paranormal belief or supernatural belief, and do you have some sort oh. of a, a past experience with it? No, and that's the thing. This is something not based on anything in my life, not based on anything that I've uh, read about. It's just totally my imagination and research. I had to research the 1920s. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, but well. it, it, yeah, and it has a supernatural thing, and it, it's just a, a totally different way of writing for me. Wow. Very cool. So when you research, where do you go for something like that, especially the supernatural? Yeah, I, thank God for the end. Well, nowadays especially, thank God for the Internet and, and being able to uh, just google pretty much anything and everything and you come up with articles and pictures and and historical documents and things that that just pop up there which is you know which is terrific but i've always relied uh the the <clears throat> romance that i've written for a dream spin oppressed and infatuation was loosely based on my high school 
years of shooting star was loosely based on my college years and uh i have the bobby and paolo holiday stories they're a gay couple that's based on like distant italian relatives of mine and and so whenever i my cozy cove series like i said was like a soap opera series that was loosely based on summers i spent in the new jersey shore and so everything was based on my mysteries I had already mentioned, where they came from. Everything has been based on me. And this is the first thing that has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's just pure imagination. Mm. It's just fun. Wow. That's, um, that's interesting. Do you, um, so where do, you, where do you plan on going um, with writing? Do you plan on ex- exploring a lot more in categories or um, doing other things? Well, I don't know how many stories can come out of my head <laughs> already. <laughs> I'm already at 30. Oh, and I didn't tell you the Cozy Cove stories. There, There's five books, but in each book are five intertwining stories. Cozy Cove is about Cal Cozy, who runs a gay resort in the New Jersey Shore, and each book is a summer, and it's who stays at the resort, and it's their stories, and they all intertwine. Oh, wow. And um, unlike every, uh, other things I've written, they're, they're not erotica, but they do have a lot, a lot of sex and romance in them, which is, is kind of foreign to the other things that I've written. Um, but my point is that that's like five stories a book, and then mm-hmm. all my other books... So I think that I'm fast approaching the point where I just am feeling like I may not have too many more stories left. So I think my next thing I'm going to do is write screenplays and teleplays of some of my books and try to get something happening. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because then, yeah, I mean, then I'm working with stories that I already created and uh, we'll see. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I really think everyone who's read them said they're so theatrical and they, they, mm-hmm. the dialogue is, is there and they really should be. So if anybody's listening to this right now <laughs> <laughs> and you're a TV or film producer, you know, give me a little head here. There you go. No, yeah. Yeah, go for it. And, and not many, only me. Not only many, me. I say all the, all the writers. Yeah, well, get everybody in there. Yeah. How how many um books do you write a year? Well, I've only been writing about 6 or 7 years. So, oh. yeah, so I've been writing about 5 books a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is, you know, that's a lot of <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of books. <laughs> wow. It's not unusual for I, I think fast and I write fast. Mm. And I'm a night owl. And so it isn't unusual for me to be all at the same time writing one book, editing another book, and publicizing another book. I generally have three at the same time, and it, um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I can write pretty fast. It's sort of like as an actor, my improvisational theater background, where improvisational theaters where you make up the script as you go along, and mm-hmm. so I write, I write pretty fast. Do you do you outline like if you if you're kind of channeling that um, improvisational background? Mm-hmm. How much yeah. of an outline do you need or do you use? 
it depends. If it's not a mystery, I don't write an outline. I just oh wow for a long yeah. I yeah. what I do is I write character biographies for each character. Okay. And then I sit for a long time and I think about the characters in the story and then I write it. For mysteries, Gregory maybe can talk this too. You have to have an outline. Because, I certainly do. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. You, yeah. Because you want to figure out when you're going to introduce your clues, your red herrings, your plot sure. twists and turns, yeah. the, the big surprise reveal at the end. All that has to be mapped out. Otherwise... You get a terrible mystery, and I've read some terrible mysteries, <laughs> you know, where you get the sense that they just sort of wing it, and then they just pick at the end somebody who did it, and there's no justification or reason why that person right. did it. Right. There were no clues. It just sort of, okay, they did it. But if you want a really good one, like we all write, then, <laughs> then so, it has to be. Yeah. So let's name some of those people. <laughs> well, you know, I already d- did, I think, name, uh, you know, the, the three of us. No, we want well, the bad uh, ones. Oh, the bad. oh, you want the bad? Oh, my goodness. No, I don't want it. I don't want anyone to come after me. <laughs> oh. No, I definitely don't want to do that. But I will tell you, without mentioning names, uh, that some of these people are with big publishers yeah. that are writing mainstream, big published novels and mysteries and and I'm just very disappointed at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that that's not unusual. I've been through that. That's that's not that's not a surprise. Um, what do you, what do you want people to get out of your books? Like when if I'm to go out and buy a couple of your books in a series and I read them and um, what is it you hope I take away with? Well, I mentioned before there's this sort of underlining political and social messages in all my books. I'm obviously very liberal, and I believe in social justice and and clean environment and treating everybody as you want to be treated, and we're all in this together and helping everybody. And so I think that's in all of my books, and, and if people walk away with that, that would be great. I'd also love for them to have the best laugh they've ever had in their lives. That would be wonderful. And I'd also like them to feel romantic, because I do that sometimes when I'm writing. And most of all, I want them at the end of the book to say, I never saw that coming. But now that I think back to the story, of course, it was there all along. I just never saw it. That's what I want. Hmm. That surprises me. I thought for sure you were a Trump supporter. <laughs> so, Joe, that that idea of the kind of surprising but inevitable with your kind of with that final twist. How do you how do you do that? How like what are the steps that you take to build that? That's the first thing I think of when I write a book. What generally happens is I wake up in three about three o'clock in the morning with a surprise twist ending. That's where I start. Oh, wow. And I, and I go, oh, my goodness. And I write it down, and then wow. if the next morning I can read it, it would be good, then I start and I'll go backwards. And I'll think, well, what would have happened before that? And then I create the characters. But I actually start with seeing this big twist ending. Oh, cool. That, yeah, that, that's how it, it starts. And I hope... Every one of my mysteries has that. I think some 
have it to greater extents than others, but I think they all have some kind of su- that, that surprise twist at the end when you find out. And, of course, it, it can be a little hokey, you know, where the, the sleuth is, is talking to the murderer and the murderer tells the sleuth the whole st- story about what they did. Yeah. But that, that's important to have that scene because then you go back and you realize the clues that were there but you missed. Right. And you can have a lot of fun with that. And, yeah, that's cool. You know, and fool people, which is, is what I like to do. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, um, what kind of influences um, do you have in your life um, on your writing? Like what, what do you find affects? And I, I bring that up in the sense of right now with the COVID-19 and the pandemic and all this stuff going on and, and the controversy and the fighting and all that. But at the same time, um, there's a, you know, there's kind of a, a dark cloud over the world. You know, you feel very um, uncertain. You know, there's all that feeling. Right. Does that seep into your writing? Oh, I mean, when I hate to say the words when Trump won the election because I believe Putin won the election for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but when that whole thing happened. The first thing I did was write Drama Detective, which I believe is the funniest. I think they're all funny, but I think that's the funniest of the, the Nicky and Noah mysteries. It's where Nicky and Noah do a musical version of Sherlock Holmes' play, and I think it's, it's probably the funniest one. And just because I needed a good laugh, and I just wanted to laugh and laugh and just make the world go away. And because before that election, we were... Many of us were on Facebook telling people, you know, this is a corrupt crime family. We know in New York, I'm in New York, we know this crime family. They have so many lawsuits <laughs> against them. And if you put them in charge of this country and you can put them together with a party that is only interested, the Republican Party, pretty much, this is my opinion, is only interested in the top 1% in destroying the environment, destroying minorities, destroying the country just for their own greed of that top 1%, and they don't care about workers, they don't care about children, they don't care about the aged, aged, they don't care about anybody, but their wealth. You put that crime family with that party, this country is finished. And we were right. I mean, he ignored, Trump ignored this epidemic. He got reports about it. He ignored this for three months. And every single person that died, and there were many because of that, are on his head because he ignored this, and that party ignored this. And, that, I mean, not only the health crisis, but then we have packing the federal courts with the worst judges, picking the worst people you could pick for the cabinet, uh, criminals all over the place, letting criminals go, getting letting criminals get off, and basically making this country the laughing stock of the world, deregulating the environment, deregulating gun control. Um, basically, they have destroyed the United States of America, and I knew they would. And so what's going to happen now in November? Is Putin going to get involved again, or is Fox News, the Republicans' Fox News, going to get involved again? Are people going to again make this horrible mistake <laughs> And if they do, can we ever come back from it? I don't know. I I really don't know if we can come back from another four years of this. And so what I say to everybody 
is, again, people can disagree with me, but what I say to everybody is, if you want to take back this country, you have to vote Democrat for every single solitary office. You cannot not vote. You cannot vote third party. It is a wasted vote. You have to vote Democrat because the Republicans are voting. And so you have to vote, and you have to vote Democrat, and we have to take back the country. You may not think every Democrat running is perfect. I don't either. But now we're literally at the point of losing our country. And if you care about it, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody in the world is feeling that. um, But that's sort of what I mean by a dark cloud or a stress going in around. And it must be hard to do a comedy at a time like that. It must be... You know what I mean? I, but that's when you need comedy. That's my Well, point. that's when you need it, for sure. But I, I, I find it very hard to get into that mood. Um, I do on the show because that's sort of the, the best thing I've got. But I just think yeah. that uh, it's, it's, um, it still stays underlying, you know, behind it all. Well, as I said, there's also a lot of, of drama and pain in my books, I think, and serious things. But I think that writing the funny things just is my way of getting through, everybody has their way <laughs> to get through a disaster. Mm-hmm. Some people might just haul up in the corner of a room and cry. Some people might pray. Some people might get out there and help people and raise funds and food drives. And my way is to just write funny things. It makes me feel better. And hopefully when people read them, they feel better too. And mm-hmm. it's just comedy is my way of dealing with, uh, with tragedy. Yeah. Well, that's 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 pretty amazing, and uh, we're glad you do that. Um, now, do you have a website or a place that people can come find out about you, or maybe be in contact? Oh, sure, please do. Yeah, it's uh, my name, Joe Cosentino, C O S C N T I N O dot Weebly dot com. So it's Joe Cosentino dot Weebly dot com. And uh, that's my website. I'm also, I have an author page on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Joe Cosen, J-O-E-C-O-S-E-N. Um, and uh, I'm on Goodreads. I love Goodreads. Yeah. If yeah. anybody wants to look me up on Goodreads, I, this is another, going back to what we were talking about, another place where I love to find other authors, read their books, review them on Goodreads, and um, hopefully help other authors because Goodreads is a great place for people who love to read. There's a lot of groups on there. There's LGBTQ groups, there's mystery groups, and you can talk to other writers and, and readers about your books and, and just other, any kind of books that you're interested in. So that's a good place too. Yeah, yeah, I like them as well. Good, Good place. Well, um, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation, and I'm glad you took time with us to um, talk and let the listeners uh, find out more about you and, and your writing process, and some of your books, and um, and uh, your political views. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that I was going to do that. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I mean, because that's all part of it. Like, our daily life, what's going on in our world, and yes. the big world, it... it, it, it I think it has to affect the way we write, the way we do things, the way we put together stories. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's a big part of the process. 
I think that's true. And I mentioned I'm a college theater professor, and my students always tell me I should have my own television show, <laughs> Professor Joe Says, because I'm very, <laughs> very opinionated about everything, not only politics, you know, food, books, every theater, very opinionated about theater. It would not be unusual for me to just say I hate something or I love something or whatever. But I always start, as I did with my political rant, is <laughs> by saying this is my opinion. Because I always feel that as long as somebody says that, it's their opinion, then at least you know that this is what's in somebody's head. It's, it's not, I don't, I'm not a political analyst. This is just something that is in my head. So I, I think that as long as people do that, I think, yeah, why not? Share what you believe. Share what you think. Yeah, exchange your ideas. I think that's great. And uh, and uh, so, do you wake your husband up when you get up at three in the morning with your ideas? Oh no, he would kill me. But he's an early <laughs> <laughs> he's an early riser. And the reason why I wouldn't wake him up late at night is he would get back at me and wake me up early in the morning. <laughs> that would, you know, one of the I'm the department chair of my department. And one of the things I love about it, I've been, they keep electing me every three years. I've been now for 16 years. One of the things I love about it is I make the schedule. I make the teaching schedule. So I don't start teaching until 11 in the morning, which I love, because I'm not an early. I'm a theater person. We don't get up early. Right, right. I understand that. I was in the theater program for one year, and we shared the foyer with the music program in college. And uh I liked a guy, so I transferred to the music department. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that's great. That's a, that's a story right there. It is. I, I, I ended up with my degree, and going to bed with him was just not worth it. So <laughs> it all turned out for the good, I think. Yeah. But, but theater, I mean, you know, I have to be there at night. Theater people have to do this. Yeah. I mean, not right now, of course. Right. But, which is yeah. why people should be reading like crazy right now, because the theaters are all closed. Yeah. But yeah. when they reopen, theater people have to be there at night. So you can't expect them, if they're getting home at midnight, to then be there for an eight in the morning class. It just can't. It can't no, work that way. No, it doesn't work. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> well, um, so that's the end of the show. And again, well, thank you. It's been it's been amazing. Our our guest has been Joe Cosentino. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun talking to both of you at the same time. I got a double hitter, so I, I lucked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're big at three ways. <laughs> we can put on Facebook the three of us have had a three-way, and let's see what happens. <laughs> there you go. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.